Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. This week, we continue in our series, Exiled, Hope in a Hostile World, as our senior pastor, the Reverend Dr. Jared Ott, leads us through the second half of 1 Peter chapter 3. Here he is with this week's message. Thank you for listening. Well, good morning, church. I want to say first, before we get into this, uh, those that have gone on the missions trip that Kathy just talked about, I want to say thank you. Uh, what you're doing in Uganda and Dominican Republic is so powerful. And I know that as one of the leaders of the church, they are so grateful for your service. And I want to thank you all as a church for supporting that, for getting behind it with your resources, because what you're doing really makes an impact. And I think it really speaks really good into what we're going to talk about here today, about loving people. So with that, will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you that we can be in your house this morning, that we can sing your praises, that we can proclaim your name. Lord, I thank you for our our missions that go out throughout this whole world. We thank you for their dedication to go and to love on people and to tell them about your love for us. Lord, thank you that we as a church can get behind that. Thank you for teaching us in your word, too. As we do go out in our own world, our own communities, our workplaces, our schools, our jobs, our home lives, Lord, it's a tough place sometimes. But I thank you for speaking to us in this book of 1 Peter about how we are to live out this life. We thank you for how it hits us home every moment of every day. Lord, I pray that you turn our focus now on your word. We thank you for this passage. Thank you for what you're going to teach us as we move forward. And Lord, I pray our, my lips are your lips, my heart is your heart, and that you impress upon us that message. And we aren't just hearers of the word, but we'll be doers of it as well. And I ask all this in your precious name. Amen. You know, this uh, book on First Peter that we've been going through, that we just read, uh, if you have your Bibles or your service sheets, we're, we're in First Peter chapter 3. We're calling it Exile, Hope in a Hostile World, because we live in a tough world. It, it reminded me this week, I was reminded again, Pastor Jamie reminded me of it this morning, uh, how this passage, this book really hits us in everyday life. This is not something, as we look at this, that's like another time and another place. Peter, who's writing to uh, Christians scattered everywhere, that maybe, maybe it's different. It's not different. It's the same today as it was then. In fact, Jamie reminded me this morning about, uh, you may have seen it um, on the, in social media, in the news, about how in Nigeria... Some, uh, a number of Christian villages were totally obliterated to this week. Totally wiped out. These villages, these people loved the Lord. They were Christian communities and people just came in and just killed everybody. Now, it's not to say, hey, let's be scared because we, we live in that day and age. I'm just saying that it, it applies today as it has throughout all of time. Now, some people would say, well, it's so scary that maybe we shouldn't be followers of Christ or we should hide that. And that's not what Peter is saying. In fact, I think what we're going to find here today is how do we go out and live out this world with hope and peace and joy? It's a great passage. It's a long passage, as you probably already alluded to. We are reading through First Peter all the verses. We are not trying to set records for how long of verses that we're trying to read here this morning, right? Next week, we're reading through the entire book of Ecclesiastes. No, we're not going to do that. What we're trying to do is, we're trying to get you to read through Peter with us. Because every verse, everything hits us right at home. We're dealing with it in everyday life, aren't we? You know, if you've been with us for a few weeks, you know that the the first part of 1 Peter was talking about who we are, that we're set apart. That we are to live set apart in kind of an unholy society. Happened then, back then, happens today. 
Then it talks about how we are a chosen race and that we need to proclaim Christ. And then the last few weeks, Peter's talking about how uh, we need to deal with certain uh, relationships, right? We talked a few weeks ago about our relationship in the government. How do we deal with the government? How do we submit to authority? Then we talked about how, how do we submit in our workplaces. A lot of us go to work. A lot of us are bosses, right? How do we submit? How do we submit to authority? Last week, Pastor Jamie talked about how we submit in our own families. And let me just say, if you weren't here last week, you need to get a copy of that, uh, of that sermon or you can go online and listen to his sermon. Because what he talked about in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, the beginning of 1 Peter 3, is a very tough passage for many of us to hear. And it's often misunderstood and at least all kinds of issues in life. He talked about wives in the same way, submit to your husbands so that if anyone do not believe, they may be won over by their words. That's a tough passage. I'm glad he had that passage and not me. No. It's, but it, it's often misunderstood. You, you don't know how many people, and I, people laugh when I said this at the earlier service, how many people that have been in my office, how many husbands who've come in and said, said to me, Jared, just tell her to submit to me because that's what the Bible says. I laughed at them too, all right? Because I said, it's crazy. You're treating her like garbage. Why, why would we say that? So, well, that's what the Bible says. That's what First Peter says. For those that are not married and going to be married, you need to understand this passage. In fact, I, um, I had just gotten word a few months ago, I was taking some postdoctoral work at a seminary, and I got a letter about a prominent evangelical theologian uh, who was removed from his position because of this passage. It was a misunderstood application of this passage. He was telling uh, wives, he was being accused of telling wives uh, to stay with their husbands who were abusing them. Just to pray for them that they'll be eventually be won over. Now, I don't know all the details, but I know so many women came forward and he was eventually removed because of a misinterpretation of that passage. You need to understand what Peter is saying because it hits us everyday life. Husbands, wives, if you have a job, if you uh, are ever going to have a job, position authority, we're all, that, all of us that live in this country, submission to authority, all those things, you need to understand First Peter. And then what happens in this passage now, because Peter goes through all the different relationships we have with different uh, forms, family, government, uh, uh, people in authority in workplaces. Now he says, okay, now what you're going to do, now that you know who you are, now you know how to interact and have submission to other people, how do you interact with the whole culture, culture altogether? And that's where we get this passage here. I loved how it talks about loving people. Our missions is really defined by loving people. When we talk about missions at Christ Church, I'm going to tell you, as those that go on missions, what you'll find, if you go to Dominican or Uganda, what you're going to find is that people are so happy that you just showed up. That just not, you didn't even do any ministry. You didn't even start doing VBS stuff or, or singing or helping. The fact that you're there speaks volumes to these people. To because they say, listen, they gave them, they gave up their time, their energy, they gave up their their uh, their uh, their home life, their comforts, and they came here, and they're so grateful that you're here. And that's what this passage is about. It's about loving people. It's a humble attitude of going. But you got to prepare yourselves, right? Missions will tell you. Anybody that went to Uganda or Dominican will tell you they had to do some preparation before they went. You got to prepare yourselves. You got to prepare yourselves before you go out there. You know, when we, uh, when I have, uh, I, I, when I was thinking about this passage this week and talking about preparation, I know that there's, there's people going into tough places. 
I remember years ago, one of the things I had to do was go to uh, take the middle school to Surf City. Many of you know I've been here at the church for about 20 years uh, and in different capacities, and I was the middle school youth pastor. And I remember going to Surf City. Surf City is this camp up in Michigan. Some of you, I took, uh, I took you there. Now you have kids. And now you know the pain that I went through to take you up there. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I remember going. And I had to go every year. It was a wonderful time for the students. It was uh, a horribly trying time for me as a leader, right? Because I go up to this camp, and it's on the uh, lakes of Mich- uh, shores of Lake Michigan, and sand dunes, and everybody's having a good time, you know, running up the sand dunes and, you know, playing in the sand. Meanwhile, I had to carry all the stuff, right? It's like 3,000 degrees out. They're, I'm passing out. They're all having a good time, right? So it was hard physically. I remember the cabins didn't have electricity. So I, at night, you had to uh, get a flashlight and kind of sweep out your, uh, your bed, make sure there's no bugs in there. One of those kind of deals, right? Then I remember being in, in the cabin with middle school students who refused to shower, right? And the smell after three days was overwhelming, right? <laughs> I remember having to take kids out on jet skis, and, and we'd take them out on jet skis, and I had to give them rides because they weren't old enough to, to, to drive, and I had to give them all like a 15-minute little, um, little spin on the jet ski. There were 50 of them, okay? So by the end of the day, my hands were all torn up trying to keep the jet skis going, and I remember going and saying, hey, I've got to have a good attitude because it's going to be hot. I'm going to be tired. But kids are going to come to know who Jesus is. So I've I got to remember why I'm doing this. I've got to be prepared to talk to them. I've got to be prepared to, to come alongside them and the pains that they're going through. But I've got I to understand that so I've got to persevere through this. This passage, when he talks about Peter, and Peter's talking about, it's the same thing. When we leave this place, are you prepared to go out to the culture? And he say, well, you know what? It's church. It's easy. But some of you are going to some pretty tough places. I know some of you are in schools that it's a pretty tough place. It's a pretty anti-Christ place where you go. Your schools, your communities, your family lives. In fact, I knew of a church that had on their church doors as you leave, so you only see it when you leave, it said, welcome to the mission field, or now you're entering the mission field. Because your attitude now, your job is to go, to go out into a world that's often hostile. And that's what Peter's talking about here. So when we look at this, one of the things I want to encourage you, it's not only about loving people, but how do we prepare ourselves, our preparation in a hostile world. Our preparation in a hostile world. It's what I call the P6, if you will. First off, you've got to have a proper attitude. You've got to have a proper attitude. If you have your Bibles, your service sheets, we're in uh, verse 8 of 1 Peter Chapter 3. It says this. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Isn't that great? That's exactly what our missions team was doing. They were being like-minded, sympathetic, they were loving, and they were compassionate. That's why they went. Don't repay evil with insult or or, uh, insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because this, to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. You know, one of the things, as I mentioned, when the missions teams goes and they show up, the, the, the folks in those communities love the fact that they're there because there's compassion there. They recognize that they're here for another reason. When Jesus, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago, Jesus says, turn the other cheek. You've heard that passage. People say, what does that mean? Why are we supposed to stand there when people are insulting us or hurting us? We're just supposed to turn the other cheek? Why would we turn the other cheek? Are we like doormats? We're just going to let people do that to us? Absolutely not. That's not what he was talking about. He was saying, turn the other cheek, because what it does is it it says something different about you, that you're going to stand there and take insults, and then you're going to keep taking insults. You're not going to retaliate. You're not going to fight back. It says, wow, there must be something different about that person. That's a proper attitude. When you go out in the culture, the, there's, there's two attitudes you can have when you leave this place. You can go out and say, this place is falling apart. 
and it's easy to focus on the hostility in the culture, or you can say, you can go out and say, you know what, I'm going to have a great attitude. I'm going to love all the people around me. And I want that to translate into the love of Jesus Christ that he showed me on the cross. It's a proper attitude. The second thing you've got to have when you're preparing yourself is a, is a passion for goodness. It's a passion for goodness. Look at verse 13. It says, who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? Another word for eager, another translation is zealous. If you remember the New Testament, it always talked about uh, zealots. And the zealots were the people that were trying to be good. They were trying to live a life of righteousness. But what happened was, zealots got so passionate about goodness that they would end up fighting people that were bad. Which was kind of bizarre, right? I'm going to be so good, but if you're bad, I'm going to attack you. Physically. I'm going to hurt you. What Peter is saying here is, say, listen, if you're going to be zealous, be zealous for something good. If you think about this in the, in the culture around us, you never see people getting uh, verbally attacked for doing something good, usually, right? People of celebrities and people that have good charities, you never see people attacking them going, oh, that's terrible. Why would they do something good for somebody else? No. When you look at the news, the culture, social media, the people that are being attacked verbally are the people that are really out to harm other people. They're selfish. They're trying to cheat people. They're hurting other people, their wives, their husbands. Those are the people. Peter's saying, listen, who's going to try to attack you from doing good things? It's a passion for goodness. Then you have a, a perseverance, not only in goodness, of, uh, but a perseverance in suffering. Look at verse 14. It says, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Verse 17 goes on to say, it's better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than doing evil. When Kathy was up here talking about our missions organization, she talked about how Silver Ring thing was an influence there. A sexual abstinence program was influential in the community. And I remember having the privilege of working with Silver Ring thing for about 10 years. And I remember going one time over to England and the hostility that happened when we got there. The threats that happened. I remember protests happening outside our, um, our events. I remember people passing out various uh, things that were really kind of trying to throw off the message. They were bringing knives and all kinds of disruptions throughout our whole ministry there. That, that time, we really had to persevere. We didn't fear their threats. We kept going. Why? Because we knew we were there for a reason, that God had us exactly where we wanted to be. If you look at your Bibles, later in um, chapter 3, we just read it, talked about Noah. Remember Noah? Talk, goes on to talk about Noah. Noah persevered for a long time. If you remember, we had a character sketch here a few weeks ago, and we talked about Noah. Noah is a, a great example of someone who persevered for a long time through some, some, some tough times. God told Noah to build this boat, okay, the ark, this huge ark. Now, I talked about this before, but Noah had to build this ark by himself with his sons, his lucky sons. Come on, we're going to build this ark. You have to understand how long this thing took. They built a replica ark in Cincinnati. Some of you have been there. This, uh, it's called the Ark Experience. It took a thousand people six years. How long would it take a guy and his sons to build that same ark? Can you imagine the, the insults that were coming? The crazy, hey, look at crazy Noah and his sons building that ark. How long that must have gone on for. How, how much he had to endure. But Noah's testimony was true. He said, listen, I'm going to be obedient to God. I'm going to be obedient to what he says. This is where God has me. I'm not going to step down. I'm not going to stop. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm going to keep going. 
We live in a culture where we look around and we see you know, violent after violent act in our culture. And we go, man, I kind of want to give up. We're going to hide. Maybe we don't want to talk about who Christ is because we're fearful. Not Noah. Not Noah. Noah kept going. He said, listen, this is what God told me to do. This is why we persevere. What a great testimony. We go out there. We don't hide it. We don't hide the fact that we're Christians. We go out and, and share it. That's perseverance. That's why James 1 is so powerful. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face what? Trials of many kinds, because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Let perseverance be finish its work so that you may, may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. How mature was Noah at the end of that? I know that I've been in ministry for a while. It gets a lot easier, because I know the attacks come, there's going to be trials, there's going to be things that, that hit me. It's getting a lot easier, and I think it's not because I'm becoming callous. It's because I think I'm becoming more mature. For you going out in your culture, you keep going. You keep talking about your faith. It doesn't matter how much the threats come. It doesn't matter how much the people at your work or schools don't like you. You keep going because that's what we're called to do. We have a perseverance. And then ultimately, we've got to have, this is a big word, but you've got to have a piety to Christ. A piety is a, a reverence. Look at verse 15. It says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Some of you do not have a relationship with Jesus. So this message, this whole sermon probably goes out the window for you because you go, why would I go out there and defend my faith when I actually don't even have a faith? Is he Lord of your life? When he's Lord of your life, you have no fear. That's what Peter is talking about, about, about going out and persecuting. I'm not going to fear anything because he's in control. Matthew 10, 28 is such a great verse when we're talking about the community culture that's kind of evil, kind of contrary to God's word. It says, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of those who can kill the body but can't kill the soul. You know, Jesus told his disciples this right after he had an encounter in Matthew chapter 8. It was a, one of those life lessons, right? Going out in the culture, the evil that's out there. Matthew chapter 8, if you remember the story, the, Jesus is with his disciples and they go and they cross over this lake and there they find two demon-possessed men. And these two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass. What do you want to do with us, son of God, they shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? So the demons recognized who Jesus was and go, hey, what do you, please, what are you, what are you here for? The demons begged him, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. So there he is, evil right in front of Jesus. And these demons recognize that he's all-powerful. And they say, please don't torture us. Jesus doesn't do some kind of weird tribal dance. He doesn't, he doesn't start shouting or yelling. All he says is go, and they go. Demons go into these pigs, and they go over the cliff. You say, what does it have to do with us going out in the culture? What it has to do with is you've got to understand, there's evil out there, but our Lord Jesus is more powerful, all-powerful, and totally in control of what's going on in that culture. And you need to walk out with that courage and that same power, that same power that, you can, that, that the Lord has, you have with you as you go out into this world. There's nothing to fear. Do not be afraid of those who can kill the body but can't kill the soul. Martin Luther understood that. Martin Luther was getting attacked all the time. He wrote that great song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And he says this, Though the world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear. 
For God has willed his truth to triumph through us, the prince of darkness grim. We tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. We go out, we go out because we have a piety, a reverence for the Lord. He is in total control. That's what prepares us. And when we do, we ultimately need a preparation to defend. It says in verse 15, Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks, to give the reason for the hope that you have with gentleness and respect. You know, one of the things the missions team will do is they'll prepare themselves to talk about who Christ is. There's training. We have training here at Christ Church. You may say, well, what's that training? It's every Bible study and small group that we're trying to get you a part of. You say, well, I don't really have time for small groups. I understand the fellowship. This is not our mandate. Our mandate is to go out and and share the good news. Our mandate is always be prepared to give an answer. Some people do not want to talk to their friends, their neighbors, their friends, the people in their workplaces about Christ because they are terrified that they're not going to have the right words to say. I know it. It's not that you... It's not that you don't want to. It's that you don't know what to say. You don't feel like you have the abilities to communicate God's word. You don't say, well, I don't understand where the scriptures come from. I'm not sure what to say or how to say it. Listen, when we talk about here at Christ Church about connecting to the church and then growing in your faith, this is why. We want you to understand the Bible so that you can always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you the reason for the hope in which you have. It's not our mandate. It's God's mandate. That's why we want to encourage you to get involved in small groups and Bible studies. I know we had a men's breakfast the other day, yesterday, and we talked about a new Bible study happening. It's a walk through the Bible on Thursday nights. I know we have a, a women's um, uh, summer series going on right now. I know we have Bible studies happening on Friday mornings, uh, Monday nights starting the fall, Thursday, uh, Wednesday mornings, Wednesday nights, Bible studies and small groups happening all over the place. Why? Because we want to prepare you so that you're confident to go out. Not only share the hope, but understand, hey, you know what? I can communicate God's word pretty, pretty effectively, pretty clearly, because I have that training. Are you prepared? When you are, when you're prepared... When you go out with the Lord, with His power, when you go out with a good attitude, when you go out with goodness, when you go out knowing that you're going to uh, be uh, uh, persevere through suffering, guess what the result is? Is this. It's a pure conscience. That's what Peter's saying in verse 16. He says, keep a clear conscience. So that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of your slander. Hey, listen, a lot of people have anxieties and fears in this world. Some people say, listen, I don't know if I really want to tell people about Christ because what, what will they say? What will they do? Hey, that leads to all kinds of fears and anxieties in this world. Guess what? When you're doing it, when you're prepared, you have a very clear conscience. People ask me all the time, does anybody, uh, you ever get a lot of criticism? <laughs> yeah, I do. How do you deal with it? I say, well, is it true? See, listen, if I'm doing exactly what God's called me to do, I don't, I, don't, I don't have anxieties or fears about my life, about what I'm doing, about my calling. You know, later on in, in this passage, it says this. It says, he's talking about baptism. It says, the water symbolizes baptism that now saves you, but the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What is baptism? It's an outward, it's an outward sign of an inward faith. When we get baptized, we understand that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now we can go out with power, with authority. It gives us a clear conscience to fight the battles that we face in the world. That's what he's talking about. The question is, are you confident? Do you have that courage to go out there? It's not about focusing on the the hostility. It's about focusing on our own attitudes when we go. 
We're going to close here with a song. I, I love the song that we're going to sing. It's, it's a great way to wrap up. One Thing Remains is a great song to, to sing as it reminds us who Jesus Christ is as we go out into this culture. I, I want to encourage you. You've got to be courageous when we go out into this culture. You've got to be courageous. You've got to be ready to defend your faith. You've got to be courageous saying, you know what? No matter what evil is going on out there, that the Lord is in absolute control and I have the ability to communicate the hope that I have. There's another Martin Luther, a different Martin Luther. This is the one in the Reverend Martin Luther King in the 60s. You remember him, right? Remember Martin Luther King in the 60s? He, he really exemplified that courage. April 3rd, 1968, Martin Luther King, he, had a, he was going to do a speech, and he was sitting on the, uh, the, the, the tarmac waiting because there was bomb threats against him. And he had to wait there for a while. Finally, he got to the, got to the place where he had to go speak. And he, he gave that great, his last speech. It was called On the Mountaintop, right? He, this is what he says. He says, we've got some difficult days ahead. It doesn't matter to me now because I've been to the mountaintop, he says. And I don't mind it. Like anybody, I would love to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go to the mountaintop. And I've looked over and I've seen the promised land, he says. And I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing the culture and I'm not fearing man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He died 24 hours later. Got killed. They took his breath, but they never took his soul. They took his breath, but never took his soul. I'm not going to fear fear what kills the body, but cannot kill the soul, says in Matthew. That's what we go out with courage. Someone once said, the calmest kid on the block is not for the lack of bullies, but for the faith in our Heavenly Father. David reminded us of that too when he says, Listen, though the host of camps surround me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rages against me, I will be confident, he says in Psalm 27. That's my hope for you. That we go out here not thinking about the negatives, not focusing on the, the, the hostile world, but focusing on our own attitude with courage, with confidence, so that people will see the hope that we have. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. I thank you that we can have confidence. Lord, help us to go out prepared. Prepared to go in our workplaces. Prepared to go uh, into our homes. Prepared to go uh, into our schools. Prepared to go out on mission. Prepared, Lord. Prepare us. Help us have that good attitude. Help us have that passion for goodness and to be able to persevere. Help us to be equipped to know the gospel, to know how to prepare to give an answer, to defend it. Lord, help us to go in your name. Lord, I do pray for those people in here who may have never given their lives over to you and are fearful because of what the culture might say. Lord, help them to know that you are in absolute control. You have supreme power, supreme authority, and there's no fear there. And if that's you, it's as simple as praying a prayer saying, Dear Lord Jesus, I understand that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Thank you for dying for me. I want to make you Lord of my life. Lord, thank you for those that may have prayed that. Thank you for the fact that you go with us as we leave this place with confidence, with hope. Lord, I pray that other people see it and they go, what's different about those people? It's because we know you. We know you're in control and you win in the end. Thank you for what you're going to do. Be with us in the days ahead. And I ask all this in your precious name. Amen. Would you stand with me as we sing?